Welcome to the Sleepy Cues Podcast, where Linda Schmolowitz and Jessica Suiki will share answers to all your questions related to your children's sleep and parenting of young children. We are both certified gentle sleep coaches. Thanks for tuning in to hear the answers to the many questions that come up with the families we work with. Welcome to the Sleepy Cues Podcast. This is Linda Schmolowitz, owner of Sleep Tight Consultants. Today we're going to be talking about dream feeds. So we're going to talk about what dream feeds are, when do you do them, what age should you do them, how do they work, and how do you phase them out when you feel like your child doesn't need it anymore. To start off, I'm going to actually define what a dream feed is. So a dream feed is where you pick your child up when they're sleeping, you feed them, and you put them back in. In some instances, your child may not wake up while you're doing this feeding. Other times they might wake up in the middle of it, but then fall back to sleep while you're doing the feeding. Some children do wake up when you put them back in. In some instances, families will do dream feeds for children when they're very little. So let me give you an example. Say you have a 10-week-old and your baby likes to do a really nice six-hour stretch of sleep from about say seven o'clock to one o'clock in the morning. That's a really decent stretch of sleep. That's respectable, I would have to say. Um, But you know, you don't wanna go to bed at seven o'clock and you wanna maximize the amount of sleep that you're able to get. And so you might think, well, let's do a dream feed right around the time when we're going to bed so that now we get that six hour stretch starting from when we do that feeding at 10 o'clock to say four o'clock in the morning, which is going to be a more restorative stretch of sleep for you, certainly than waking up at one o'clock and then trying to do a feeding and go back to sleep. So in some instances, this can work for a younger baby. And we'll talk a little bit about the differences between younger children and older children and doing dream feeds. Dream feeds are also something that I will use in many instances, and I know Jessica does as well, where a child still needs feeding in the middle of the night, but now you're sleep training. And a dream feed is a very good way to be able to still do feeding, to know as a parent, okay, you're getting calories. I'm not asking you to go 11 to 12 hours without that feeding, but still also be able to be very consistent when you're making those changes in behavior. So going back to the example that I gave of doing a dream feed for a younger baby, say, you know, maybe like a six to 12 week old baby. In many cases, children at that age, they are doing that long stretch of sleep up front at the beginning of the night. And then they go back to whatever their waking and feeding pattern is throughout the day. Maybe that's every two hours, maybe every three hours. Certainly as you move into the early morning hours, sleep becomes much more difficult because that's the most unconsolidated stretch of sleep for children, especially especially in that early four-month period. So this is something that comes up a lot in the Chicago New Moms group, in the New Moms group that I run. And moms will say, well, you know, can we do a dream feed and be able to push that feeding off, as in the example I gave earlier? And the answer really is, Maybe, sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why this is. Well, I have a, a suspicion of why this is, but I find that this can work better for bottle-fed babies, and this could be formula or 
moms who are exclusively pumping and and feeding bottles that way rather than breastfed babies. And that's just, again, based on my experience of, you know, over 10 years seeing this, what I most often see happen for breastfed babies is that that internal clock in terms of what time you're going to wake up and expect to be fed is sort of set in their brain. And so you may decide, okay, I'm going to do a dream feed at 10 o'clock and now push off that long stretch. But really what ends up happening is they still wake up at one or two, whatever that original time was, and now you've just added an additional feeding. For whatever reason, bottle-fed babies tend to be just a little bit more on the clock, as I kind of think of it. They're a little bit more scheduled, and so their bodies are more used to eating at a certain increment of frequency, and you can push that frequency off or shift it a little bit sometimes by doing a dream feed. Again, this is sometimes, but not all the time. And honestly, what I tell parents for babies, especially under four months, if you're trying to do a dream feed and it's not really working, then don't stress. Don't worry about it. Just pull it back out. And at some point, you'll make adjustments to their feeding as they're getting a little bit older and as it makes more sense for their brain to do different things. When you're doing dream feeds, when you're also sleep training, this is where it looks very different. And I will say as sort of a caveat, I work with a lot of families who will attempt that dream feed in the newborn phase as I just described it. And it's gone horribly awry. Um, So they'll tell me, oh God, we tried to do a dream feed. It was a nightmare. He ended up waking all the way up. And now it took us two hours to try to get my baby back to sleep. Of course, that is a very less than ideal situation and not one that anybody's looking to repeat. And so I often will say to parents when I'm suggesting that they do a dream feed as part of sleep training that they're going to need to suspend their disbelief a little bit and just know that it it may not feel like it's going to go well but actually can be very different when you're now doing it as part of sleep training. And the reason that I find that this is the case is because when you're doing a dream feed in a scenario for a newborn, you know, a baby in the zero to three, four month range, that's something that is a disruption in their sleep. And that's a child who you have probably needed to do something to help them fall asleep at bedtime. So whether that was feeding them or rocking them or holding them. And now when they wake up, whether that's because they've woken up on their own or you've disrupted them by doing the dream feed, now they need help to get back to sleep. It's not something that they can just automatically do easily. But when you're sleep training, you're essentially putting your child in their sleeping space awake and they're learning how to fall asleep independently and on their own. And they're developing that skill of independent sleep from bedtime The whole point is that if something were to disrupt them, whether it's rolling over or their moving position or a noise in your home or picking them up to feed them, then actually it becomes way less disruptive and they can actually roll themselves around, get themselves comfy and go right back to sleep much, much more easily than they would have if they needed help to do that like they did at bedtime. And so this is why when you're sleep training, it looks very different. And I have it happen all the time that parents are shocked by how well the dream feed works. In fact, I would put it at about 95% of the time that a dream feed works very well. I'll have a small percentage of time where children do wake up and become very alert from it. Sometimes that may just happen in the first night, but if I'm seeing it happen after a couple nights, then we'll reevaluate. Every once in a while, there's a child who just consistently wakes up right before the feeding, which I'll talk more about. But if it's always happening, it can be an indication that it's just a little bit too disruptive anyway. 
So when you're doing a dream feed as part of sleep training, the whole point is to be able to include that feeding and to still be consistent with regard to how you're responding to your child overnight. And so oftentimes it'll happen that I'm working with a family and the parent will say, you know, I really still want to be able to feed my baby in the middle of the night when they're hungry. Well, it's kind of hard to know when that actually is happening and when it's just a wake up that they need to be able to get themselves back to sleep for. And any feeding plan that I make with any parent is really something that's based on what's currently happening with that child, both during the day and at night. So I take into account a lot of information. But when we're talking about babies, certainly over four months, but you know, over six months as well, I often include dream fees for children, sometimes just under a year, if it's a child who has previously been eating a lot overnight, so that we're not going from lots of feeding to nothing at all. And in those situations, that child has a very strong association between I wake up, I cry, I'm fed, and that's how I go back to sleep. And so we're changing that association by doing the feeding at a different time. So as an example, we might decide to do the feeding at midnight. A lot of times I will do that for babies, um, especially under six months. We'll decide, okay, we're going to do the feeding at midnight. That means that you're not asking your child to ever go more than six hours on the front end or the back end. I don't consider anything before 6 a.m. morning. And so at midnight, the parent goes in there, they pick the child up, they feed them. A lot of times with dream feeds, I find that you don't actually need to burp them. They just kind of roll around and get themselves comfy and go back to sleep. And you put your child back in and then they're back to sleep very quickly if they even woke up at all. I would say most children don't even become disturbed by that feeding. There are instances where I'll have parents put in two dream feeds. When you're getting to three, it's maybe a question of reevaluating, you know, what's going on with feeding during the day. Do they really need to be eating three times overnight? Especially, again, when you're getting to sleep training age. I'm not talking about a newborn by any stretch of the imagination here. And really, I always encourage parents to talk to their pediatrician discuss how much that child really needs to be eating in the middle of the night and and what might be going on that's leading to them still needing so much feeding overnight. Sometimes with two feedings, I'll have parents just split the night in thirds. That means you're doing one at 10 and one at two, and you're never asking your child to go more than four hours. Or sometimes I'll have parents sort of front load their child doing one at nine and one at midnight because the most restorative sleep happens between midnight and 6 a.m. And so when you're helping your child learn to sleep that stretch, you're going to actually find that everybody gets a good restorative stretch of sleep and wakes up feeling much better in the morning, you and your child together. I tend to discourage parents from doing feedings at in the early morning hours. As you move into those early morning hours, sleep becomes much lighter, and I find that the feeding can be more disruptive. And so that's where once you're past about 2 a.m., it, it tends to not work so well. So really trying to cluster the feeding in the earlier part of the night, or certainly before 2 a.m., makes, makes a big difference. What I find in most cases, once we're in the midst of sleep training and the parents are doing the feedings as dream feeds, you start to realize that their wakings are much more related to behavior and less about hunger. I do find it can take a couple days for things to kind of work themselves out. So a couple things that come to mind, for instance, some children in the first night aren't really interested in eating. They're in a very deep sleep. Parents may have to sort of jostle them a little bit in order to get them to eat. 
Most breastfed babies, when you sort of pick them up and assume the position of nursing, they turn their head and latch on. Or if it's a bottle, you can more easily kind of get it into their mouth. In some cases, some babies don't eat that much in the feeding in the first couple nights because as I think of it, they haven't sort of gotten the memo that they don't get to eat all night the rest of the night. And so when you're doing a dream feed, that is the only feeding. Or if you're doing more than one dream feed, then those are the only feedings. There isn't another point in the night where your child wakes up and they're fed. Yes, they're being responded to in a consistent and predictable way at those other times, but it's not feeding that happens at those times. And so your child in the first night or second night even may not realize that they're not going to get to eat again. And so they might not have a great feeding at the first feeding. But as you keep going, as you get into the second and third night, at that point, they realize, ooh, yep, this is my chance. I better eat now. And you can see that that one feeding, or even if it's two, can be a really significant feeding, and it works really well. It is okay if your child wakes up while you're feeding them. It's okay if they wake up when you put them back in. What's most important is that they are asleep when you go in there to do that feeding. So what that means is that if your child wakes up you know, whether it's five minutes before you were going to go in there or right as you were going to go in there or an hour before, whatever it is, they have to go back to sleep before you can go in and do that feeding. They only have to be asleep for five minutes before you can feed them at that point. So it doesn't have to be a very long time. If the dream feed isn't working well, the way you know this is if your child is consistently waking right before or they're becoming very alert from it. In rare instances, I will see it happen that some children will have sort of persistent early rising as a result of the dream feed. And I know that this might sound counterintuitive to some of you because you might be thinking, well, you know, they're being fed, so this is going to help them not be hungry in the early morning. But what's often happening in the early morning is not related so much to hunger, but related to other factors that cause early rising. So please definitely go back and listen to our episode on early rising to understand what those factors are. But for some babies, just that disruption in their sleep whether it's at 10 o'clock, whether it's at midnight, whatever it is, might be enough to make it harder for them to get into a really solid sleep pattern and can cause early rising. So strangely, in some cases, once we are able to eliminate all feeding, a lot of children will then start to do a really solid 11 to 12 hours of sleep. In terms of how to phase out that feeding, so this is actually pretty easy to do. And sometimes when I'll be talking to families and we'll be making a feeding plan and we're trying to determine whether we should put in a dream feed or eliminate feeding, a lot of times parents will say things like, well, I don't want to then have to now have something else that I have to fix or something else to get rid of. And what I'll explain to them is that once there isn't an association between feeding and sleeping, it's actually much easier to remove the feeding because it's not like you're going to be asking your child to go back to sleep by some other means at that point. At that point, they have that skill. When we have incorporated a dream feed, I typically like to wait until other night wakenings are resolved. So what that means is that the child is falling asleep easily at bedtime, parent goes in and does a dream feed. Ideally, you know, we're kind of getting to a point where it's at maybe 10 o'clock, which I'll ex explain in a minute. And now they're not having any other night wakenings and they're waking up in the morning, ideally at a reasonable time, anytime after six. And so that's where we'll start to pull the feeding out. Certainly, I encourage parents to check in with their pediatrician. A lot of times we won't make this change until after you move past that six month checkup. So the parents have an opportunity to evaluate this with their doctor. 
But what we're doing is we're starting to pull that feeding out. And so this can be done in a few different ways. So if it's a baby who's nursing for that feeding, you can start to bring that feeding earlier. So as an example, say you're doing one dream feed at midnight, I'm gonna have you start to move that feeding earlier, usually by 30 minute increments every three days. So that means that now you're gonna move to 11.30 for three days, to 11 for three days, to 10.30 and so on. Sometimes if parents are at midnight with it, I'll have them bring it to 10 until they're feeling ready to drop it. And that way they can do the feeding and then go to sleep and everybody sleeps through until morning. There are instances where I'll have you keep bringing it earlier and earlier until it's an hour after your child has gone to sleep at bedtime and then you can drop it and generally speaking, they don't really notice. And what you've done is you've helped their body adjust to going a little bit longer and a little bit longer between the feeding and waking up in the morning. If you're doing the dream feed as a bottle, which is fine to do also, I will have parents just start reducing the number of ounces in the bottle, usually dropping it by an ounce every three days. So say you're doing four ounces, I'll have parents go to three ounces for three days, two ounces for three days. And really, once you get to two ounces, it's a pretty insignificant amount of food, and I typically will have parents just drop it at that point. And again, most children don't notice. With a bottle, and again, bottles during the day, that's a child that you'll probably start to see pick up some ounces during the daytime. If it's nursing, you may not notice so much if they're just eating a little bit more during the day. One way I don't typically have parents do it, although it may work for some, and I'm not saying that it won't, but I don't typically have nursing moms just start nursing for a shorter period of time. This is a pretty imprecise way of feeding your child less. The reason is because you, you just don't know when you're getting a big letdown. You don't know when your child's getting the bulk of that feeding. Some children get a lot of feeding up front and then they just kind of nurse for comfort after that. And so it's just really hard to know if you're doing anything that's less than what you were doing before. And so that's where instead I find it's better to bring the feeding earlier. So. That's an overview of dream feeds. I hope that was helpful for all of you. Please, as always, feel free to send us a message through our Instagram, which is Sleepy Cues Podcast. We always love hearing from our listeners and also listening to your suggestions for other podcast episodes that we can do in the future. Thanks for listening in.